Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Look, I, I'm not sure about you, um, but I am totally inspired. And to tell you the truth, take great comfort in imperfect people that have overcome. Anybody else here like that? <laughs> yeah, thank you for the one hand. The rest of you, you're so... <laughs> um, I take great comfort in Now, I'm on Instagram. Most people here probably are engaging in some form of social media. And I, you know, I kind of feel like I know what's going on in your church through Instagram. Um, and I do love a beautifully styled home. I love cute baby spam. And I've got to say, Arthur nearly did me over. Like I was just <laughs> nearly weeping. It's so cute. Um, and having little boys of my own. Um, but I've got to say, um, I am probably more captivated by the beautiful and imperfect real, by, um, by, by things that are not quite perfect, things that um, haven't gone necessarily right, people that have come back from um, adversity. Is there anybody else that's inspired by that kind of stuff? Um, and so I guess I am really intrigued by a small little piece of scripture um, that some time ago just caught my attention. Let me read it to you. And it's James 5.17. And it just says, Elijah was as human as we are. Which for me is Bible code for he got hangry. He got hungry and angry. He went to the toilet. He had bad days and good days just like you and me. And I took great comfort in that, just that tiny little phrase in James, because he also did incredibly miraculous stuff, right? He's one of the Old Testament prophets that did crazy, amazing stuff. Um, and I've got to say, I desire in my life to do amazing stuff for God. I really do want to have an impact for God. I really do in this short life want to have a great impact for the cause of Jesus Christ. And I want to see the, the region of Tamworth, one for Jesus Christ. I want to see New England um, receive rain from God. I want to see a, a turn in this drought, to tell you the truth. I feel really passionate coming into your region and going, God, it's just not right that people are suffering in this region because of this drought. But also, to be really honest, I'm really human and you probably are too. And I get really frustrated at my kids and I melt down. And my husband and I have an amazing marriage. I really feel blessed. I'm married, literally he's a saint. But we have our disagreements and you probably do in your marriage as well if we're all real with each other. And to tell you the truth, I get really, really weary. And I want to look at a passage this morning that comes after a time when Elijah is at the heights of God's breakthrough power. So he confronts a murderer fearlessly. The murderer is Ahab, King Ahab. And Elijah, with the boldness of God in him, confronts this murderer without fear in his heart. Then he challenges the prophets of Baal, a demonic cult at the time. And um, he commands it not to rain, and it didn't. And then he commands it to rain, and it did. So he does these incredible, miraculous things on a nationwide scale. 
And then immediately after these spectacular events, something happens which is just really, really normal and probably happens to you and I periodically. And it is that he got really, really weary. He just got weary. It probably hit July and it's really cold maybe and life has just happened for him that year and he just hits a patch where he's really weary and so this morning if it's okay with you I know we're doing seven hot Sundays and really you would expect maybe a fire and brimstone preach and something supernatural and miraculous but this morning actually I don't want to look at the heroic the phenomenal the spectacular I actually want to look at what do we do with weary What do we do when we get weary? And I do need to read a fairly lengthy passage to you. And I wrestled with this and I'm like, kind of just tell the story. But I feel like I need to read the story to you. So if you'll go with me in this story, let's have a look at 1 Kings chapter 19, starting at verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel, his wife, all that Elijah had done incredible supernatural and also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time and when he saw that he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba which belongs to Judah and left all his servants there But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die and said, It's enough. Now, Lord, take my life. I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. Then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back to the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and and ate and drank and he went in the strength of of that food for 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night, so more sleep in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, 
Go, return your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Mahola, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword under Haziel, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword under of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet... I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all of whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth who has not kissed him. Elijah, the man of power for the hour, who basically saw um, the prophets of Baal get sweaty and frustrated as their false god would not consume the offering. Elijah, the man of power for the hour that put his offering on the altar, wetted it down with a hose, so and then saw God consume his sacrifice so that we know it had to be supernatural fire. Elijah, who was brought to the brink with weariness, absolutely brought to the brink. And we hear it in his thoughts and his words and his attitudes. He's angry at the people that God had called him to minister to and frustrated and his heart is burdened. And he, he sleeps twice. We see that physically, um, he's, he has to have these long sleeps. He's just so physically weary. And even again, when he gets to the Mount of Horeb, because he's so weary, even his spirit, even he, he can't even stand up in his spirit. Such is the state of his weariness. And can I just say, we have all been like this at one time or another. And maybe you're feeling the pinch now. Maybe you're not at the place that Elijah was in, but maybe you're just feeling the pinch of weariness this morning. And maybe it's over something that you prayed for for a long, long time and just feels like God is not doing anything about that thing that you've been praying for. Maybe You are raising the family to the glory of God and you are just tired from the day-to-day investment of it. And sometimes it's just the relentlessness of life. And I even felt that some maybe are even carrying a burden for the region because of what the region's going through with drought and so forth. And it's not just tiredness. It's a weariness of the soul. And in this story, God is so amazing because in the midst of a national crisis, He meets with one man, Elijah. In the middle of Elijah's meltdown, God comes into his space. And in the place of weariness and fatigue, God reaches into Elijah's inner world and does something about rest, refreshing and restoration. And this morning, I just feel that God wants to bring times of refreshing for this church. I really feel this morning that God wants to refresh some souls here. God, in his unique way, wants to meet you right where you're at this morning and bring refreshment into your state of weariness. And so this morning from this story, from the short time that we have together this morning, I want to look at a few, what what God has to say about this area of rest. Because really, Jesus brought the antidote to weariness and it was rest. It was not more activity. It was not more worship and reading your Bible frantically. It was actually coming into God's presence and enjoying the blessing of rest. So my first thought this morning is, rest is a rhythm of fruitfulness. Rest is a rhythm of fruitfulness. Um, There is actually a difference, as I mentioned, between tiredness and weariness. You know, it's very, very natural to get tired in your physical body. 
I've got two young children and mate, I have not felt as weary and tired in my body as ever in my life, I don't think, as chasing those two frenetic little kids. Um, But Weariness gets into your soul realm. And I love that you're having Alan Meyer next week. He'll speak to that whole area as well. And just the healing and the wholeness that God desires for our soul realm. Um, But weariness, if not dealt with in God, can actually limit and cap your destiny. If weariness is not dealt with, it will actually um, keep you capped at a certain place. And the, the answer to weariness is actually rest. Can I just say, there would be people in this room, and me included, that find the prospect of rest really frustrating. It's like um, you are so, it's so, you find it so difficult to rest in God that there is a restlessness to you. And there is even a sense that maybe if I'm not busy, I'm being slack, so I'm going to make work for myself. I, my hand is up. I am guilty as charged in that. And yet the Word of God is so committed to rest because when Jesus came, He shifted us from a works and law mentality to resting in His grace. Um, And the rest in the grace of God is the gift of God. You know, it just seems so, on one level initially, really unspiritual to me that the first thing that God does with Elijah is to give him rest, to let him sleep and eat. Um, We see that Elijah is so zealous. He says to God two times, I have been zealous. I've been enthusiastic about the call of God on my life. I have been peddling God so hard to do the thing that you called me to. He says it twice to God. And yet he's so caught up in zealous that his body, spirit and soul are unrested. And he is twice initially by God, strengthened by sleep and food. And I just think it's so intriguing that God actually says absolutely nothing to Elijah about his state or his future or his call until he first deals with the issue of rest. Um, Because God knows he can't, and he even says to Elijah, the journey to encounter me is too great for you. First, you need to sleep and eat. And that food sustains him, of course, in the story for 40 days as he treks towards God's presence at Mount Horeb. Can I say to you this morning, rest is a rhythm that we have to embrace to be fruitful in our assignment for God. If you don't know how to rest, if you have not yet uh, learnt the art of resting in God, of dwelling in His presence, of abiding in Him, you will not be long-term fruitful. You won't be reliant on Him and you'll be under an illusion that you are the self-made man and woman. I was saying to, to Pastor Bron last night as we were enjoying dinner together and we talked for three hours and it felt like it evaporated in three minutes. I said, I feel like there is a spirit of the age over every generation, right? And I feel like one of the characteristics sometimes in our generation or the people that are living on the earth at the moment is that we become narcissistic, that it's all about me and I can do it. I am the self-made man and woman taking my selfie, putting it on Instagram, the way I'm living my wonderful narcissistic life and rest actually comes against that thing and says, it is not up to you. 
It is about reliance on God. It is about resting in Him. Otherwise, you're going to be in a place of perpetual exhaustion in your spirit and ineffective. Um, As I mentioned, I have two little boys. And right from the get-go, we were very, very um, committed to getting their sleep routines right. Uh, Because we've got quite a busy life, Um, my husband works and I remained in ministry and went back quite quite quickly after having children. And um, we were very committed to getting the the rest rhythms right, the, the sleep rhythms right. And it's kind of remained to even now, they have their midday sleep. Now, some days... They resist that like crazy. Anyone got kids like that? I'm not not tired, not tired. (laughs) I'm thinking, no, I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you lie down in your bed. Um, And I say to the older one, you can read a book if you want, but you are going to rest and have a time in your bed around midday because I know the rest of the day hinges on that one nap. (laughs) Um, In Psalm 23, um, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He guides me in paths of righteousness. Do you notice that the active words in all of those are very different? Leading and guiding and making. The only thing he will make you do is rest. The only thing, because he loves you too much to ruin your destiny on a restless, activity-filled life that has no fruitfulness to it. Activity doesn't equate to fruit. We have to abide for fruit. Otherwise, we're going to have a whole lot of Ishmaels in our life. And what God wants from your life is Isaac. Things birthed of the Spirit of God that make an impact on your family, your community, and the world. So God is into it. I believe there is a rest that God is calling you into in Him. Rest is not laziness. Rest is not checking out. Rest is actually engaging with the Spirit of God and allowing Him to replenish us for great fruitfulness. Amazing, right? We've got to know the rhythms of rest. It's a fruitful rhythm. Secondly, rest is the environment for an encounter. Rest is the environment for an encounter. Um, It's so interesting that God begins with a rest for Elijah. Sleep, eat, sleep and eat again. Sleep when you get to Horeb, just lots of sleep and rest and replenishment. But really, he's getting him ready for what he really needed, and that's an encounter with God. So God sets Elijah up by sending him to Mount Horeb, a place associated with God's presence, and he does three things as he encounters Elijah there. Firstly, he causes Elijah to reflect on where he's at. So he asks him twice, and it's not like God needed to know the answer to the question. Um, He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And can I just say, an encounter with God from a place of rest will cause you to locate the real state of where you're at. You know, some of us are under an illusion about where we're really at. I, I just know myself that I get into a cycle of busyness, and maybe it's particularly um, violent thing in Sydney, like a rat on a wheel. And the more busy I get, the less self-aware I get in terms of how I'm speaking to people, in terms of how I'm doing my work, my attitudes to things, even the way I engage with God. Um, Can I say when you encounter God in a place of rest, he will actually show you more about yourself and more about the unique thing that God has created you for. 
Secondly, God challenges Elijah's experience of his presence. So um, Elijah has come from being um, on the mountain with the, the cult of Baal and he's seeing supernatural acts, you know, violent you know, sacrifices and burning and, and crazy confrontations with psycho kings. It's all pretty non-Sydney and Tamworth really, isn't it? But maybe it's a picture for us of the adrenaline cycles we get ourselves in, of, of seed time and harvest, of busy times at work, of intense times with our children. And it's like we get into this cycle of adrenaline and we expect God to match our way of relating and match our cycle of adrenaline. And it's like that encounter with God at Mount Horeb said to Elijah, hey, I'm not in the wind. I'm not in the earthquake. I'm not in the fire. Stop expecting me to turn up just in certain ways. Stop drawing me into your cycle of adrenaline and expectation that's on your terms. I want to speak to you in the still, small voice, the very, very personal. I actually want to come into your world today and speak to you right where you're at, not with the supernatural, although I believe in the supernatural, I believe in the miraculous with all my heart, but to me, some of the greatest miracles I've experienced is God speaking to my heart with the still, small voice in my time with him from a place of rest Busyness can bend your expectations and adrenaline is a drug. God wants time and space with you from a place of rest to encounter you so personally. I I truly believe there are things that the Holy Spirit wants to tell people here today that he is speaking, but you're not still enough to hear him. I really believe there are dreams and visions and provision and answers to questions and answers to prayer that will only come from a place of rest as you still your soul before God. Enter into that rest and allow him to speak to you in that place. Um, Could I have the keys up, please? And finally, rest leads to an encounter that adjusts our perspective. You know, Busyness and um, adrenaline and the craziness of life without rest in it can, can actually cause us to rush God for an answer to our present troubles. And yet what God is wanting to do is actually change us. It, what a thought, like that actually, God, I've got this petition and this, this question and this thing that I need an answer for. And God is saying, hey, can I just, could you just chill your beans just a little bit? so that I can speak to you about you and change your perspective. Um, It's so interesting, isn't it, that um, God lets this whole process happen in Elijah's life. The sleep, the food, the time hearing the earthquake and the, you know, all this and this and this, and then the still small voice. But then, and I think God is so kind Elijah carries on about so many things that are actually incorrect. (laughs) And God is so kind and just lets the rest happen, lets the unravel happen. And then he brings correction. And he says to Elijah, you know what? You're saying that you're all alone, that there's nobody else serving Jesus. There's nobody else serving God in your culture. They've all been executed. Everyone's bowed the knee to Baal. And, And God goes, not in so many words, Elijah, you're actually wrong. There's actually 7,000 
7,000 people that have not bowed their knee to Baal. Mate, your state of weary has warped your perspective so much and loneliness and feeling alone is actually a symptom of where you're at. Let me correct your perspective. Um, Pastor Bron earlier in the service did allude to a prominent member of our church. Um, And what came with that last August very unexpected. The timing, though the person we really believe is quite an incredible person, not doesn't surprise me on that level. Um, but the timing of it shocked us. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> the news is like, oh my gosh, this is happening. Um, and what came with it for me personally, um, just in my particular role, was a whole lot of, it was really exciting, a whole lot of attending to security uh, and making sure that we were equipped to handle what had just happened and that our church, as our primary interest, Um, was kept safe in in the whole thing, was cared for, and that our people knew that they were loved and they were the primary reason that we were there, that we're protecting their interests. We're not interested in media. Um, We would cooperate on some things. And so we're hosting a whole lot of media requests. They were flooding in. And then a barrage of emails came, most of them actually pretty hateful, a lot of them from churches, using the church as a lobbying point for issues that, It's out of our hands. We're just citizens. (laughs) You know, and then a whole lot of people turning up. And on any given Sunday, um, we could have people there that possibly weren't there for the right reasons. And we were training our staff to handle that and training our platform staff to say things that wouldn't get us in hot water in the media. (laughs) You know, and honestly, I got to the end of last year and it was exciting and it was fun and I loved it and I felt a sense of fulfillment and I'm like, thank you, Jesus, that we get this opportunity to cradle something that's happening in our nation at the moment. But to tell you the truth, I was spent by the end of last year. And it wasn't just that. It was little bo- raising little boys. It was caring for my husband. It was all the things that come with pastoring and loving people. All good things. <clears throat> Nothing of it was bad or I didn't feel out of my call like I was doing something that God hadn't asked me to do. But I just felt really weary. And in the midst of it, I'm like, okay, I've got to gear up for 2019. You know, it's going to be a big year and, you know, get ready to get into the fight. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, would you just calm your farm for five minutes? Would you just um, just be quiet before me? Would you rest? I want to speak to you about the year ahead. And so I'm waiting on God. What is, what is my theme for the year? What's the word you want to give me for the year? And I'm like, God wants to give me victory and war. <laughs> and and oh, the supernatural, all really amazing things, by the way. Um, and God says, no, your theme for the year is dwell. I'm like, what? That's a bit boring. Really? Can you just confirm that with three signs, eight wonders, <laughs> dwell? Can I just say, it is the best thing he could have told me this year. Could I, could I, can I just say, the first six months of this year did not get any slower paced. In fact, it kind of ramped up a lot. Um, but God taught me afresh the art of embracing his rest and rhythm. It's not, see, rest is not doing nothing. There are times when you actually do need to do nothing, that you actually do need to just sit, have a cup of tea and let the world pass by. It's okay. It's not sinful to do that. It's actually not wrong. But I've also found that 
it's that Sabbath life of resting in Him in the midst of it, that I will, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and strength, my fortress and shield, my God in whom I trust, that I will dwell in Him in the midst of my busyness. You know, finally, God rest restores us to our destiny. You know, we see in this passage Elijah fleeing and running away because he was just really burnt out actually. And there was demonic things going on around him that weren't helping that situation. But God finds Mount Elijah at Mount Horeb and instead of going, yeah, mate, it is, it's all over for you. You're done. You're, you're weary, you're burnt out. That's done. No, once God restores him he actually commissions him for his next phase of destiny. Do you know it's only out of rest that you will hear God's instructions for your next phase of destiny. It's only in that place of rest in him that he will restore you, not not take you out of the race. Can I just say restlessness and weariness, if not dealt with, will take you out of the race. God won't. Church won't. You've got to deal with your state of weariness. It says in Hebrews of Elijah and a whole lot of others who allowed God to refresh them in their weariness. Hebrews 11.34 says, They quenched the fury flames, fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Do you know, if you are weary today, God has rest and refreshment for you in your call and your destiny. Don't run. Don't, don't check out. Don't be here, but not be here. Allow God to refresh you in your weariness so that you too can say, my weakness was turned to my strength and I became powerful in battle again. You know, Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. You know, it doesn't say, it it wasn't the people that were sinful and evil that got weary. It was the people doing good. It was the people building buildings. It was the people winning souls to Jesus Christ. It was the people that were believing for a turn in the drought. It was the people carrying a community that is losing hope, in hope. You're carrying them in hope. They got weary, not the other ones. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.